The following episode contains major spoilers for a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition publication. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Legend Lore, the podcast series where two Dungeon Masters flip through one Dungeons & Dragons book at a time, giving their insights on the pros and cons of the publication in question. I'm Adam, and with me is Brad, and today we're going over our thoughts on the Wizards of the Coast product, Acquisitions Incorporated. Have you ever looked at this before? I've looked at the cover art. I've had a cursory glance a long time ago, but none of it's fresh in my brain. Yeah, uh, I have gone through the monster section of this yeah. in depth, and I've actually read every single word of the adventure that's in it, Okay, which is levels one to six. Yeah, it's a short adventure. It is. Like, all of the crazy NPC stuff and the um, the character building, I really haven't looked into. I know there are a couple of neat spells yeah. in it as well, so I'm, I'm excited to look at this. Um, yeah, it's one of those books that kind of has been on my radar as one that I would probably be at least somewhat interested in. I haven't brushed it off like some others, but I haven't had a chance to really delve in. Honestly, this book is the one that most people, on the internet anyway, say that they completely forget exists. This one is the Forgotten Bastard Child of 5th edition. Kind of makes sense with when it came out. It came out kind of before the surge. It did. Okay, do you know the history of why this exists? I know that it's a Penny Arcade product and that it was played at PAX. Right, yes. it was there, and they had a. Did they have a podcast on it? I think they had. Yeah, so it was their live play, right? <clears throat> yeah, they're the two creators of Penny Arcade, which for those of you who don't know, is a web comic online. It's one of the original web comics, like, and yeah. they're one of the first ones to be able to quit their day jobs because it's so freaking popular. I remember reading it when I was in high school, and it was like a big deal because no one else was doing that. It was its own little thing. Yeah, there was them and Control-Alt-Delete, I yes. remember, and that was about it. Yeah. And so I followed them for about a year as well. They've kind of dropped off in popularity. There have been a couple of controversies, um, but we're not going to get into That's, that shit. Doesn't, That's doesn't affect people. this book. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. So um, what we do know, what is important to this, is that the two creators went to a, a convention, essentially, right before 4th Edition came out. And they sat down with an advanced version of 4th Edition with uh, Christopher Perkins. And um, let's see, there was uh, Will Wheaton was a part of it. Like, there were a few kind of D&D people there. Right. And they all played. And they kind of fell in love with 4th edition. And so then they started to stream, and they were one of the very first streaming um, D&D podcasts as far as a live player, actual player. Right. So they did that for a while. They wrapped up their campaign. It was as popular as it could get sure. at the time. And then they started another campaign. The first one was called Acquisitions Incorporated, which is named after the adventuring party. And uh, as far as I'm aware, the second one is called The C-Team. Okay. Because I think the first one took like followed the B team. Right. Of course. When fifth edition came out, this was the number one third party product that existed out there as far as the fans were concerned. Of this course. was pre-critical Pre- role. Yeah. Right. This was before Stranger Things, before Rick and Morty, before any yeah. of that. Dimension 20 wasn't running. Yeah. This book came out and it was popular enough at the time, but there are a couple of major criticisms that it has. 
first and foremost, because it's tied to Penny Arcade, the artwork is webcomic cartoonish. Which actually I personally love. We'll get into some more about the specific art, but it, I love the style. Yes, but it makes people think that it is childish. When it, this book, from what I've seen, yeah. is really not. No. The... The other well, Penny Arcade guys aren't, they're childish, but they're, they can tackle some mature themes and some, in a serious way too. Not It's not all dick and fart jokes. Right. And so the other piece of criticism that this book gets is that it is either too whimsical or too caught up in the business side of it. Because the idea behind it is that you are part of a business, a corporate business. Right. Uh, and you are adventuring and it's kind of a, a spoof off of office life. And right. Corporate life. And so it is either thought to be too dry or too whimsical. What most people don't realize is the fact that it is supposed to add comedy to the business side of things by being magical. Right. right? So they're all the, the high fantasy, the business and the whimsy are three sides of the same thing. Yeah, of course. It's they play the, off one another. Yeah. yeah. Most people don't see it that way. They they dig into the book because it's supposed to be a comedy, then it's too dry. Or they right. dig into it because they want the corporate side of things because no other book does it, and then it's too wacky and childish. Right. So I feel like a lot of people don't know what they're, what they're getting into with this book. They go in with weird expectations. And so we're going to flip it open and see kind of what's in here. Let's roll dice. I'm curious to know what you uh what you're expecting from the first time that you crack this. Sure, up. sounds good. Oh, I, natural twenty, <laughs> and I got a nineteen. Good boy. <laughs> I right. actually won. You lost to the nineteen. That's there impressive. we go. All right. All right. Acquisitions Incorporated. So my first thoughts, especially when I first saw it, seeing the Penny Arcade logo attached to it, you were just talking about you know whimsy versus reality of it. I was expecting a lot of whimsy. I'm expecting you know a lot of dick and fart jokes. I'm expecting you know some childish humor, but at the same time some adult themes. I, I know it's an adventure module, so I'm expecting, you know, your typical things from a module. You're going to expect an adventure path of some sort laid out for you. Plot lines, NPCs, some new monsters. And then, again, Acquisitions Incorporated, you talked about the business side of it. I'm expecting, you know, them to go into a lot of the, kind of the, the nitty-gritty of running an adventurer's company, which is yeah. kind of an interesting... Yeah, you're you going to get, get a lot of, else. like, guild info yeah. in, in this. Or how to, how to form a guild. Like, I'm expecting to pull some stuff out here for Homebrew on how to kind of make your own adventuring party, your own guild house, things like that. So my big expectation from this book is that it's not going to have that modular stuff. They've leaned right. into it in the second half, or as it stands now, the more recent part of 5th edition. Yeah. The first part of it was not really well laid out. The Dungeon Master's Guide is largely ignorable for a lot of people. Sword Coast Adventures Guide was a mess. So there was a lot of stuff going on in early 5th edition, which was, I don't want to say questionable, but they hadn't polished it off yet. Sure. That's what I'm expecting from this book as well. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting that this is going to be... It's going to suffer from the disorganization sure. of the early 5th um, Ed publications. What do you not want to see in this book? What I really don't want to see is I don't want to see too much spring imbalance. I don't want to... Like, this is not a book where I want new character classes to be introduced or new races or anything like that. Because this is not a book a lot of people are going to buy. It's a pretty mm. niche product. Yeah. So it's one of those ones that you don't want your players to come to you and say, hey, can I play this weird thing that's in this book that you're going to now all of a sudden have to go out and buy another book or look into to find out, hey, what's, what's the balance here? Which is what they were doing with the player's companion of the Elemental Evil's player companion right, for the yes. Princes of the Apocalypse. Everybody wanted to be Goliaths and, sure. and Aarakocra and 
And DMs are like, where are you getting this info from? Yeah. And I feel like, you're right. When it comes up on a D&D Beyond yeah. like purchase, you don't buy it unless it's part of a bundle. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so if one person happens to have it, it could make your game a little lopsided. Absolutely. Um, the thing that I don't want to see from this is um, more of the same. I just want it to be different. Sure. The Penny Arcade guys, for all their good and evil mm-hmm. out there, and I don't think there's much evil. They get no. a lot of shit on the, the internet because the internet's full of a lot of shit. The internet is what it is. Um, but I they would really like are. there to be creativity on every page. Sure. Um, I want the monsters to be different, um, which means I don't want them to just be another kobold. With, like, this is my problem with Exandria. And um, mm, yeah, and the wild it just feels stuff. like a different version of Forgotten Realms. Really, it really it's, does. It's more the same, just a new names. Whereas like, when you go to the monster section or the classes or the character sure. creation sections in Eberron or Ravnica, those don't feel like Forgotten Realms. No, they don't. They, right? I I don't thing. want this to feel like Forgotten Realms. Sure. I want to see what they bring to the table. So let's grab our dice and uh, let's let's dig into it here. Let's see who goes first. Tearing this book apart. A 19. 19 for me. A 20 and a 19. Wow. I'm done with you already. I like that die. All right. So if I'm going first, let's start front back cover. What does this look like when you pick it up off the shelf? So the art style on this, we talked about a little bit. Very web cartoony. Very colorful. Uh, You've got an illithid on the front. Mind Flare. Uh, You've got a party of one, two, three, four heroes by the look of it. So pretty standard. Pretty standard. My guess... I'm totally guessing. I don't know anything about the book. I'm guessing we've got a paladin. Looks like an elf. A fight. Looks like a human fighter, or, I would guess. Or cleric, or even cleric maybe. possibly, with the heraldry there. Yeah. Uh, we've got a rogue here that looks like it's some sort of mouse folk or cat folk. Oh, it's probably tabaxi. Oh, it could be tabaxi. Yeah, you're right. And then whatever's happening. And then whatever's there. happening, there's somebody coming down on a rope with some pouches and things like that and a hard hat. And you cannot tell. I'm guessing drow looking at it. But really bright, colorful. It's got this green flames licking up against the illithid. And you got the heroes facing off against it. It's What's interesting here is that along the bottom of it, it says that it's a D&D product created in partnership with Penny Arcade Incorporated. Yeah. We don't get that on anything else. There's no. no created with magic or created with Keith Baker for Eberron or created with... It, Does it say just, what about the Wild Mount book? Do you recall? Uh, not off the top of my head. I don't recall, but I don't believe yeah. it does. I mean, this is early, right? They're still getting their legs. It also says at the bottom, explore a wealth of peril and personalities for the world's greatest role-playing game. Now, the so. world's greatest role-playing game is in, on the bottom of just a better recover. Yes. So that's, that's a right. common but phrase. But the, the wealth and peril of personalities. You know what? That's what I'm looking for out of this yeah. book is the personalities. These guys are, like, they get into characters. heads. I want to see new NPCs and stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah, and you get a couple glances at the uh, logo or heraldry for Acquisitions Incorporated for the Which corporation. I like. I like it. Yeah. It's actually a really cool logo. It's well designed. And then we'll look at the back cover. Not much to show there. We do see a beholder, though. And I'm guessing there's some mushrooms there. So I'm guessing we're going into the Underdark. Sure. Um, would be my guess. Could be Feywild, but with the purple color, I'm guessing more likely to be Underdark. And then on the back, we got the Help Wanted is kind of the big header on the back. And we got a bit of a description of... The Forgotten Realms are full of powerful factions vying for control. And for a time, each has had the upper hand. The Harpers, the Zentarum, the Lord's Alliance, and the Order of the Gauntlet. The Emerald Enclave. I might be forgetting one or two. There's a bunch of these things. So we're already getting some of the comedy here, right? Yeah, and as well with the uh, the Harpers and like... I mean, these are well-established houses within... They're, they're guilds, yeah, right? Guilds, they're guilds yeah. in Waterdeep. So if none of these organizations can help you, consider Acquisitions Incorporated. Called Faerun's Definitive Adventuring Brand by, well, the company itself. 
They've been in operation for more than a decade, and it's mostly been fine for them. I should emphasize that it's been fine for them specifically. It's not always fine for the people who hire them, and it's definitely not fine for the people they hired to rob. Truth is, though, when you're just starting out in the adventuring business, it might be nice to have a leg up. It can be a big help to have access to the powerful artifacts, expertise, and jobs that the Acquisitions Incorporated has to offer to a new franchise. Plus, there are always openings available. Just try not to think about why. Okay, so you are an adventuring company. That's what this is, Absolutely. right? And you're you're out to essentially loot and rob. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're getting to here, right? Absolutely. You're, yeah, you're going to be mercenaries for hire. Which is um, what people are. I mean, that's yeah. low-level d and I mean, any D&D is pretty well that until you are the person hiring mercenaries. Yeah. Also has a little note here for saying that uh, it's for levels 1 to 6, Adventure mm-hmm. Path. And then it also has other suggested books. So Player's Handbook, Monster's Manual, and the DM's Guide. That's, so standard, basic stuff. Yeah. that's standard on the back of every book. Yeah. Perfect. So that's the front-back cover. We're going to flip over, open it up, and we get a splash page right at the top. Acquisitions Incorporated. So this is their title page? This is the title page. So we see that there's um, a satchel with with standard venturing-looking satchel. It's got some vials in it. And it looks like a contract. Yeah, it looks like a a contract next to it with a pen and quill and then the Adventures Incorporated logo stamped on it. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. And then we'll open it up. As in every book, uh, there's a little bit more art here. There's, you know, the splash of the cover again. There is no alternate cover for this book? Correct. There's just the one. And then we also, as with every book, we have the disclaimer. I'm just going to read that for you. Acquisitions Incorporated has made every legal, moral, and arcane attempt to ensure the safety of the information contained herein. That being said, should an employee meet their end in the service of Acquisitions Incorporated, we do reserve the right to reanimate you to perform light office tasks. Maybe you should read these contracts more carefully, eh? Yeah, okay, I like that. We're yeah. starting to get that that feel. It's a little tongue in cheek, but mm-hmm. it's also based around contracts and whatnot as well. Sure. So you want to dive and give us the table of contents? Sure. All right. So the table of contents is this is you know what I was thinking that it's a pretty thin book mm-hmm. um, comparatively, but there are two hundred and twenty four pages. It's a good size book. Yep. Chapter one is about acquisitions incorporated itself. Chapter two says that it's about growing your franchise. So. There are a lot of different company positions listed in here. Um, chapter 3 is about player options. Um, it looks like we've got all 12 of the original classes. This would have been before Artificer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, as well as the new race, which is the Verdon. Right. Which I quite like, actually. And then there are new spells, factions, and rivals. Then it looks like about two-thirds of this book is the Adventure Path. Perfect. After that, we get Appendix A which seems to be just a breakdown of NPC names and then organizations. Appendix B, which is monsters. Appendix C, which is vehicles, including a battle balloon. I'm excited for that. That's, I look forward to that. And uh, Appendix D is orrery and components. Now, the the adventure itself is called the orrery of the wanderer, and I'm not sure what an orrery is off the top of my head, so we'll we'll get there. Um, Appendix E is trinkets. Ooh. And then we ha- we do have an index at the back, which is good because a lot of books now don't have an index. That's right. Which is frustrating. So I'm glad between the appendices and the index and the fact that it's broken out so clearly, here's Acquisitions Incorporated, here's your franchise, here are your player options, now you can play the, the game. Right. Right. It, I feel like the layout of this book is solid. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the order that you'd want to have things in. So on the next page is the preface. Uh, if you're reading this, good. That's really good. Because I'm about to write a bunch more stuff. And if you can actually read it, I won't be wasting my time. That's how it starts off. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm all for it. This is by uh, Aminifis Harroward Dran. So I don't know anything about this character, but I'm already I'm already interested. This is fun. All right. So diving into chapter one, appropriately titled Acquisitions Incorporated. Well, there we go. That's so, it. The, Episode over. We're, we're done. done. Chapter covered. one. There we are. Excellent. So um, this chapter goes over basically who is Ch- uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, who is this organization, and just give you some background. Uh, it also gives you some of the actual historical uh, background of the actual company, like the arcade who Penny Arcade is, where it was founded, all that sort of stuff. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, so it's actually got some history um, about how the podcast started and how the adventure started. Worth a read. And then it jumps in here. Uh, first subheading is, it's just business. And so it's talking about how the how it's set in heroic fantasy, right? This is pretty... I feel like it's explaining for the Penny Arcade fans... Correct, that, what this uh, ...that is. aren't really familiar with D&D, right? Yeah. Uh, it kind of describes... Like this hierarchy as well of the bit, right? This the whole thing about this module is it is a business. You're working for this business. CEO up top, you're gonna have hirelings, sidekicks, apprentices, paid laborers, all these things that are working for you as the heroes. It mentions. Okay. So as heroes, you're gonna have access to all this because you're working for Acquisitions Incorporated. Hirelings used to be a big factor in previous editions. Sure. That they've kind of just. Thrown by the wayside. A little bit back with Tasha's, I feel like. There are sidekicks, but yeah. the, the idea used to be that you would find this this gold, this this hoard out in the middle of nowhere that you can't transport yourself. So you hire people. Right. You spend a ton of money to get the trustworthy people to go and either guard it or ship right. it back for right. you while you go after your next adventure. And so you have like a couple of dozen NPCs that work for you. We don't get that anymore. Right. Yeah, so they do cover a little bit of that here. Um, it mentions the fact that you are starting at level one. It's going to be a low-level campaign and covers basically that every other hero is kind of your opposition, right? You're, you're in business against other adventurers. There are villains, but the villains are likely to be like the CEOs of these other corporations. Sure, okay. All right. Uh, next, subheading: what is Acquisition Incorporated? So here we're kind of going through who the actual company is. So they like to think of it, imagine Lord of the Rings, or sorry, Fellowship of the Rings, in uh, insisting that they only trekked from nine to five. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. These guys, yeah, you're not, they, as an adventurer in this, you don't have any stake beyond what you're being paid to do, right? Because no matter what wealth you find, it's going to the top. I like that for, if you're going to do a guild-based campaign, it's, it's interesting to see that this is somewhat canon. Absolutely. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Your, your funding has to come from somewhere unless yeah. you're starting out completely on your own. So, yeah. <laughs> also mentions that. Imagine Robin Hood pivoting the Merry Men toward a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Like, cool. I like that. Fun yeah. stuff. So there's a quote at the bottom that says, Our integrated intern success pathway is a robust, unparalleled system for reliable growth year on year while maximizing your downstream. You can feel the tongue-in-cheek right? criticism a little bit. we got capitalistic... Criticism. I feel like I could blow off steam after my white collar job. Absolutely. By playing this game. Absolutely. So we have a corporate prospectus, which is going to go through the history of Acquisitions Incorporated, how it was founded, how they grew into being who they are, and, you know, the nature of their business, how they conduct their business day to day. They basically say that they are the 
biggest in the business. Okay. Um, acquisi- so you're working for the top dog if you're working for Acquisitions Incorporated. All right. There have been imitators. There have been other people trying to replicate the success. But if you want to go to the top. And we have another quote here. It says, what the customer wants is not always what the customer needs or gets. Uh-huh. And that's from Jim Darkmagic, which the name's here as well, right? You're- yeah, they, they seem to be pretty on the nose, which is, look, I, I don't need it to be super clever every time. No. It, it's high fantasy based on a webcomic. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with this. Like you said, blow off some steam. This is a campaign that you could certainly have some fun in. And then on the next page, they have something really cool. They've got a fast franchise generator. What are the... It looks like there's a bunch of tables. Yeah, so we got a list of five tables here. One is franchise logos or liveries. So it's got a list of ten options. You roll a D10 and you can get what it is. Can you give me one? Yeah. uh, Let's just go with a Beholder's Central Eye or Lathander is our co-pilot. Yeah. All right. Right. So since there is some fun. Uh, The next chart, another D10 you roll for your headquarters location. So a couple examples here, a battle-worn castle, which is a real fixer-upper. It's seen better days, better years, maybe even better centuries. Another one, a former blacksmith shop, which was a former exercise studio and a former cafe before that. <laughs> yeah, all right. right. So again, we're getting we're getting some sense of the flavor and what, what we're getting into. Headquarters Quirks is the next table. It's a D8 table. Uh, so one of which every stairwell has an illusion on one, of one additional step at the top. Uh-huh. So that, that's just fun. I like that. I would grab stuff like that for my wizard's tower. Yeah, absolutely. There's a space between the headquarters that's clearly a room, but which has no doors. I mean, that's a trope as old as time, but yeah. I dig it. Uh, the next uh, chart or table is memorable major domos. So that's a D6. Uh, so one is a sinister figure who sticks to the shadows and responds always to requests with yes, master. Huh. Okay. And then another one, a brusque, deaf, retired military captain. So these are just some characters that you could find there. And then the last table is Reliable Connections. So this is a D8. Um, One of them is, the only thing known about this information broker named G is the dead drop point where they exchange messages and that they're never wrong. Hmm. So really cool way to kind of generate a business for you to get started. I like, that's just fun for any guild. Absolutely. So far, I like this, these tables are are plug and play right absolutely you could pull these out and put them pretty much in any setting again they lean into the comedy so you got to be prepared for that if you're running a dark serious campaign maybe you're not going to pull this sure you're at least going to get some ideas from this to make your own table if nothing else yeah chapter two growing your franchise i'm assuming that this is about your own business that is a part of the acquisitions incorporated umbrella Correct. Right, we, so, I didn't really hit on it. In the first one, the first chapter does discuss the fact that you are basically franchisees of Acquisitions Incorporated. So just like you're opening your own branch of a McDonald's or something, you are... So this is basically how to build that franchise. Okay, so it talks about franchise advancement, first of all, which means that you get a franchise rank. By default, you start at level 1, um, and then you advance as the party reaches levels 5, 11, and 17. Which is where each one of the tiers kick right. in. Right, okay. You get a licensed region. So this actually gives you room to expand beyond what the adventure is going to give you at levels 1 to 6. Yes. Okay. And you get, for example, it breaks down the different regions that you are um, able to have. At level right. 1, when you're in rank 1, so at level 1, you can be in a settlement. But at rank 2, you get small territories. And rank 3 gives you a large territory. And rank four lets you get some limited extra planar Ooh. areas that you can operate within. I like that. What's interesting is that it also says 
there's a little chart here mm-hmm. uh, about the level breakdown, the franchise rank, the licensed region, okay. and then staff that you get at the different levels, franchise tasks that you can get, headquarters features, and costs. Oh, interesting. So like your upkeep, I guess. Yeah. So um, staff has a bunch of smaller sections. Um, there's a major domo uh, who administers a franchise headquarters. There's untrained hirelings, skilled hirelings, and crew. Okay. And there's a good solid breakdown for kind of what this entails without giving a whole lot of examples. Sure. Like it's, it's leaving it pretty open-ended for you to create yourself. Right. And I mean, every business is going to need its own different staff with different strengths, right? Yeah. what you're doing. So that makes sense. The next part of this is the headquarter features, um, which is when selecting a feature, the characters must make decisions together, meaning the players must do the same. Okay. So it's encouraging you to design this by a group. You need to incorporate benefits. There's a starter headquarters, including an abandoned lighthouse, a beat-up keelboat, an old tavern, worn carriage and horses. So Mm. you can be mobile even if you wanted. Yeah. Um, And there are cosmetic features, expansion features, transportation features. There's a lot in this. I like this. Oh, here we go. Transportation features. A battle balloon. There's a hot air balloon, and it's lit by magic furnace, channeling elemental power. A galleon is suspended below the balloon, and it features a helm that controls the ship. It can fly virtually anywhere, ignoring difficult terrain, but it is at risk from storms and strong winds. This is your airship. We don't have an airship anywhere else besides Ever. No, that's But this is set in the Forgotten Realms, so it's cool that they added that. You also get a sidebar here called Acquisitions Incorporated is Magic. There are weapon features and arcane features for your transportation. Well, that's cool. So you can actually arm and... Have magic is that's cool. I like you that. You get defensive features at rank three. The headquarters gains one defensive feature. It can be a carriage ejector platform, electrified <laughs> floors and rails, or a grease compartment. Oh, I like those. That's fun. Uh, you get franchise choice features like escape pods, extra dimensional tavern, and a glider launcher. My god, there are franchise costs including baseline, and then it has a little chart here about the monthly upkeep. Um, the franchise rank multiplier, monthly business performance. My God, they go into this. And wow. then then there's what happens if you default on your payments as well. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Who's coming to collect the debt from Acquisitions right? Incorporated? Uh, there are company positions. Uh, it's a joint effort. There are position proficiencies. You can gain ranks. Oh, my God. There are... Okay. So these are positions within it. On top of your background and your class, you can be a cartographer. Oh, so you can pick, pick your profession basically on top of your... Interesting. Yep. And it lists here... Well, I'm going to use cartographer, although it seems like it's the same for a number of different ones. Um, noteworthy cartographers are listed, including, including someone from the C team. Okay. Well, yes. Right. We and talked about that. two people from the B team. Okay. So this is from... Like, this is their like famous NPCs right. that worked away in. There's essential functions. You create and maintain maps, um, and you dictate directions. And there's position proficiency. In addition to the proficiencies noted below, you can add your proficiency bonus when you make an ability check to create or examine maps, search for new paths in the wild, or assess a route for possible dangers. So you are getting like actual boons as well. This isn't just for flavor. Yep. And at each one of the franchise ranks, you get something new. Proficiency in starting equipment. At rank one, at the start of any mission, you can requisition a secondhand draft horse and cart. 
At rank 2, you get a Spyglass of Clairvoyance. You also get Tale of Safe Travel, which is gaining the ability to perform a 45-minute ritual using your cartographer's tools, maps, and 50 gold pieces in consumed material components. By doing so, you ensure safe travel for you and other creatures from your current location to another location you could normally reach within one day. Interesting. That's not not so. Forty five minutes a day and some gold, and you and bypass boom. random encounters. Yeah, right. That's huge. There's a map of shortcuts at rank three, a map of the moment at rank three, which comes with different landmarks on a table. At rank four, you get an elder cartographer's glossography. Hmm. They're just making up words, and I'm I'm kind of in love with it. A greater tale of safe travel. At rank four, so it looks like you get a, a boost to the other one. Um, and then why, there's a section here, why be a cartographer? And oh, it's a D8 table, too. It's a D8 table so of motivations, not booms. Oh, cool. But you like spyglasses a lot. Is sure, why not? Them, right? A good map is like an adventure without the bugs and the mud and the wolves. <laughs> I'm all about that. Yeah. So, so there's a cartographer, there's a decisionist. Okay, so what the hell is a decisionist? A leader? Like, are they the ones making the decisions? Are they the ones gathering information? Uh, brings decisive leadership. Yep, that's exactly what it is. There is the documancer. Your bookkeeper. Yep. And each one of these has different ranks, different things you get on them, different tables for different things that you can be um, or that you can choose. And then a section, why be a documancer? Every great Acquisitions Incorporated quest begins with a contract from head office. And a franchise's documenter is most likely the one who controls and channels the power of that contract. So they're your lawyer. They're your legal team. Legal team, yeah. yeah. There's the hordes person, which I guess is like a treasurer. Mm-hmm. And it's got stuff, class-based living loot satchel. Oh, okay. At rank two, uh, if you're a hordes person, you're granted the use of a living loot satchel, which is an uncommon magic item. It functions as a bag of holding. I was going to say, and that's is the five I got. available in a variety of colors and styles. If you're a cleric, it's a hollowed-out holy tome. If you're a ranger, it's a fur-lined bindle. If you're a warlock, it's a patchwork monster leather satchel with a purely decorative fanged mouth. Purely decorative. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. Um, you can be a loremonger, um, which is essentially oh, your information keeper. Yeah. You can be an obviator. Obstacles abound along the path to riches. A franchise's mission success might require combating a rival organization's disinformation attempts one day, then besetting a castle's defenses the next. The day after that, some poor sap named Bob might need to be disposed of. And no matter what the type of challenge that needs to be overcome, the franchise's obviator determines the optimal way to shut down and destroy the challenge. So you are a mastermind. You're hatching convoluted plots to fight the overwhelming odds presented by each mission by whatever means are necessary. The mastermind rogue would just absolutely. This. this came out, I think, before that did. We're also getting little bios of some of the NPCs, I think, from their... Actual, or maybe even the players. Sure. Um, And uh, so there'd be NPCs in your your campaign, but we get little bios about them, and they're kind of examples. The next one is an occultant, which is an accountant, but with the occult flavor to it. (laughs) That's fantastic. The artwork here has an abacus with a bunch of tiny little skulls on the little spindles. I like it. Operated by a tiefling, naturally. Yeah. Um, then you have the Secretarian, um, which is, I mean... He looks like he dances for Thunder from Down Under. Uh, you're respected for having the fortitude to listen to both customers and co-workers without going insane. You are the, you're the oh, middleman. Oh, no. Yeah, which is why they've got a little quote here. 
Um, a secretarian's boast is, I've sold ice in Icewind Dale. <laughs> so this Good. is actually set in the Forgotten Realms, which, yes. like, we've confirmed that now. That's great. Once you get through all of those, secretarian is the last one. You get franchise tasks and downtime. Okay, so some stuff actually to do between sessions or between adventures. Yeah, but not just during downtime, but while the characters are adventuring, it's possible for players in an Acquisitions Incorporated game to try to push the pace of the campaign. Characters might try to avoid taking downtime on their own in favor of having franchise employees take care of all the boring, not-adventuring stuff. Right. But because Acquisitions Incorporated campaigns make great use of social encounters, research, and intrigue, players should be encouraged to not treat downtime as optional. Moreover, DMs can and will make use of rivalries and complications during franchise tasks to drag characters into that part of the game. You make task checks. Hmm. Franchise tasks are uh, part of a narrative overall here where you establish goals, there's an opening scene, ability check scenes, and a concluding scene for an ongoing story. That So it's like a bunch of interconnected downtime and, right. and side quests that all lead to an overarching... And this stuff quest. actually matters, which is really interesting. Yeah. And you could really... I feel like as a DM that's got any amount of experience, I'm naturally doing this anyway. Sure. It's neat to have that codified and, and gamified here. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's also really interesting, because especially with an experienced party, as long as people know how to play nicely, you could really have some opposing... Right, you could have your party working towards different goals even within themselves, right? Yeah. Because you're going to have selfish ambition. I mean, you got to picture this like the corporate ladder, right? You're, each of your players is working to some sort of goal within Acquisitions Incorporated. But I think that these are for the franchise itself. To oh, be able okay, to this move is the forward. entire business. Yeah, so everybody's got to work as a team towards each other. Sure. Team. That's really interesting. I like that. There's complications and rivals, there's a section there, including who's watching, complications as story is a, mm. is a brief section. Downtime and franchise activities, including resources and resolutions, it looks like, for each of them. Oh, okay. You can explore a territory, and it gives you different discoveries, including major threats, minor threats, natural features, new customers, ally or useful monster. There are territory complications. There are franchise restructurings, franchise restructuring complications, headquarter modifications, these are all tables. Very cool. Headquarters modifications complications. Marketing, marketing complications. So they're telling you what to do and how to do it. Yeah. And also the shit that's going to get what you away from it. Yeah. So all of these, you mix and match them on the different tables. You've got all sorts of little campaigns here. Philanthropic enterprises. Running a franchise. Scrutineering. Whatever the fuck that There's is. a lot of information here to really... Like, this section really seems to be designed more towards homebrew or moving on beyond the six-level module. Like, there's so much information here that you could pull out and put into any campaign. What's interesting for me here is that this is not just a DM's tool. Like, the complications part is for the DM, but if you want to come up with... Here's one. Uh, shady business practice or schmoozing. Your guys want to go off and do a thing. You roll on the schmoozing. You give them this task to do. And they will choose, or maybe you let them choose from an option or two. Sure. Right? And then you yourself can uh, look at the complications and maybe bring something to the table afterwards. This is players and DMs working together Absolutely. to build a franchise. And I really, really love Yeah, that. like as a player, I think you'd even want to peruse some of this stuff. Obviously, you'd be careful of not spoiling too much but you would want to at least you know dive into this and it gives you a lot of ideas on how to run yeah and i mean honestly the last one here is team building right Perfect. which is a part of the actual game it's one of the franchise tasks absolutely that is amazing 
All right, so chapter three is our player options. We got a bunch of them in here. We're gonna go through them somewhat quickly here. Uh, backgrounds, so you get new options. Yeah, let me just say, we're going to go over backgrounds in an episode. We'll cover these at one point. And the Verdon, which is the new race in this, we'll get an episode. So sure. we're just gonna kind of glance off the, the... Yeah, absolutely. We're just gonna give you... Right, This is a surface scan. Yeah. So uh, a couple of backgrounds. Celebrity Adventurer Scion is the first one that we get. You get basically a breakdown of proficiencies like any background. You get all that stuff. You also get uh, feature. So in this case, it's name dropping. So basically, you can go, you can drop drop a name and you can basically help you get through things. Um, and like other all the other backgrounds, you get personality trait tables, ideal trait tables, bond trait tables, flaw trait tables, right? All these things that you can roll on. Sure. What are the other ones real quick? So real quick, we also have failed merchant. <laughs> nice. We have... With uh, its feature supply chain, basically letting you get what you want. Uh, Gambler, uh, his feature is never tell me the odds. So you basically have a better chance during your downtime activities of succeeding. Okay. Uh, plaintiff, so <laughs> your feature here is legalese. So you're able to basically, you have knowledge advantage on any sort of like legal system. That's cool. Checks. Thank you, this one. And uh, last one is rival intern. So basically you're like an inside agent. So their feature is inside informant. So you have information, double agent, basically. Yeah, okay. Inside so, trading is your... Yeah, some of that. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, and then we have a really interesting section here, which I don't think we see in many other modules. It basically, for all of the classes and subclasses for Player's Handbook and Xanathar's, yeah. you're going to get, basically, how do you play a class within this setting? Yeah, because, I mean, how are you going to play a warlock or a barbarian in a corporate section? Yeah, exactly. So it gives you... Well, let's break down barbarian real quick just to kind of give you some idea of what it's going through. So it gives you a description of barbarians in the corporate world. So for every CEO building up or bringing down businesses, it's safe to bet that there's a barbarian standing behind them, often literally with a large weapon in hand. So <laughs> yeah, okay. they're your enforcers. Um, sending a clear message is kind of their thing. And again, with the, this class, you get signature items. There's a D10 table that you can roll on for some sort of item. Can you give me one? Yeah. Uh, six drops of blood, either your own or someone else's. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, style makes the raider. So basically the way that they dress. We got a picture here of a corporate barbarian in literally a shirt and tie and then fur-lined cuffs and pants. like, And then holding a great sword with a rib cage on it. So walking different paths, we actually get kind of a way to even play the different class subclasses. So for Path of the Ancestral Guardian, you can get a different spirit guardian. So half-orc enforcer called Joey Palatine, missing his right arm. So it's a D6 table you roll on to get your spirit guardian. Oh, that's guardian. cool. Um, for the totem warrior, your totem is going to look a little bit different because you're in an urban environment. So instead of the bear, you get uh, a giant spider or an otiug. Okay. Or for the eagle, you get a crow or a flying snake. Or instead of a wolf, you have a giant rat or giant fire beetle. Okay, so it looks like they're breaking this down. They have one for Zealot, too. They have one for Zealot as well. So it says, while you might not be particularly faithful, but your dedication to your job is easily mistaken for religious zeal. Yeah, okay. I, I like that they're putting a spin on each of these. Absolutely. Because not every subclass naturally fits. Exactly. Um, it's interesting, though, that we're not getting more options with the Tashes and, and yeah. some of the other publications that have come out, like Eberron. Look... They can't all be perfectly backwards compatible. No. This is the evolution of an edition. Every D&D &D edition has done this. Yeah. Building on the previous, 
but not necessarily referencing every section of it. Sure. So I like that they're doing this. It gives me enough inspiration to do it. I was going to say, yeah, if you have a different class, subclass, Path of the Beast or Path of Wild Magic, I can work it in just by reading this Absolutely. This will at least give you you some ideas that, hey, yeah, don't play this like your standard. Uh, So we've got the Bard, same kind of ideas. It actually gives you a list of insults. Oh, nice. Which is fantastic. So it's a D20 table. I'll give you one or two. You're not the sharpest piercer in the cave. I can see you, but where's the dragon that pooped you out? <laughs> right? So, these guys... This is a lot of fun. It really is. Um, cunning Wit and Wicked Bards is kind of their whole thing. So, these guys are kind of the jabbers in the workplace. Yeah, and again, so, I can see they've got all the spell, or all the yeah. subclasses there. Uh, they even have a list of notable enemies. And again, yeah, a little bit of background for the subclasses. Okay, that's cool. I, I like that. It sounds to me like the classes are well represented. Absolutely. Uh, So it gives you a reason for each of the classes to exist. So yeah, similar things for the rest of the classes. We're not going to go through them all. If some of this stands out to you, pick up the book, take a look for yourself. Definitely worth it. Next section in this is the new race, which is Verdan. The Verdan. Verdan. So they look almost goblinoid to me, or they look like they're out of Dragon Ball Z. They look like, uh, what's his name? Well, okay, so I know what I think, yeah, I don't know what his name is. Vegeta? I, I'm not a, sorry. I'm not. I don't a know. Guy. The green enough. guy. They're in the podcast. I just. Don't, I'm not one of them. Ask James or Megan or Dan. Anyway, the idea here is that they are goblins, but they're magically infused, and at a certain point in their life, they will actually suddenly grow to become medium sized. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of other kind of pop culture have goblins as kind of being your coin bean counters. Your Cor- they are kind of corporate, so this is naturally fitting. I can see how they did that. Um, so yeah, it says they're created by chaos with ongoing mutations. Cultural chameleons. So that's interesting that they kind of blend into the cultures that they surround. Yeah. Um, now, do they have dark vision? Uh, let's take a look here at some of their skills. So the, ab- uh, the ability see. score increases. Constitution con- is increased by one and charisma is by two. All right. So these guys are sorcerers. So, which makes yeah. sense. They're magically infused. Yeah, that does make sense, right? And all naturally. So alignment, interesting, is generally good. So for goblins, that's not kind of where you would, obviously, with their... Fair, yeah. Um, so yeah, you said start... You mentioned their size growth. So yeah, they start out similar to goblins, but at some point after reaching maturity, they'll grow spurt two feet or more. So at love, first level, this is interesting. At first level, you're considered a small creature. When you reach fifth, you become a medium. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Which kind of implies that you're supposed to start these guys young. Because they said this growth spurts related to age. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, they have an ability to heal. Uh, black blood healing. So uh, boost your natural healing. Whenever you roll one or two on any hit die you spend, you can re-roll it. Oh, that's I cool. I like that. Yeah. That's a cool that's little useful. feature. Uh, limited telepathy within 30 feet. But uh, I'm slow and limited, though. It's not full telepathy. It's limited telepathy. I'm not seeing any dark vision. I am not seeing any dark vision. No, I'm just getting to the bottom of the list. And note, there is none. All right. So good. There's another race that does not have dark vision, but they sound relatively interesting. Yeah, they, like the flavor sounds interesting. The abilities are good enough. Yeah, but I would try and kind of keep it to a campaign themed in here. Uh, I mean, if you're doing a goblinoid campaign, yeah, you should sure. have one of you these. You could as absolutely well. do yeah. that. Uh, it gives us also a list of new spells. Uh, they're fairly not many of them, so I'll go through them all real quick. Uh, Distort value, which is a first level illusion spell. Sure. Uh, Fast friends. Third level enchantment spell. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I can guess what each one of these does. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious by the name. Gift of Gab <laughs> is a second level enchantment spell. It, it lets you podcast, is that correct? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, third level enchantment spell, Insight Greed. Uh, you have Jim's Glowing Coin, which is a second level enchantment spell. 
And Jim's magic missile. So Jim is obviously somebody of import that we just haven't come We've seen yet. his name come up a in a couple here. of quotes. Yeah. It, yeah. I guess he's one of the main... Look, that's the thing that spellcasters do is they name their own unique spells after yeah, themselves. Absolutely. Right? And last one we have is motivational speech, which is a third level enchantment spell. A lot of enchantment and a lot of enchantment spells, actually, almost all of them. So illusion, one illusion, one invocation, evocation, and the rest are enchantment. So yeah, it makes I mean, sense. That makes sense. Yep. And then at the end of the chapter here, we've got factions and rivals. So we've got just a couple of the you know factions that exist in here. So obviously, acquisitions incorporated is one. Gives us a quick breakdown. Duran Enterprises is their biggest rival, it says here, and it gives you a breakdown of who they are. Uh, we have the Noble Knife, who is a somewhat mysterious organization known for its high level of engagement with cultures and societies within which its members work. I like the so, logo, too. It looks like a bunch of slashes. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Silver Sliver. So these guys are do-gooders and justice seekers. Oh, no, apparently not. <laughs> I misread that very much so. Yeah, they look like they are... Uh, just a mask-wearing kind of shadow organization. Okay. And then the six is basically defeated foes of Acquisitions Incorporated. So they basically... Oh, the Sinister Six, yeah. Yeah, they've gone to get revenge on Acquisitions Incorporated, and that's kind of the end of our character creation. Okay. You know what? There's some neat flavor in there that I like a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of that throughout this book. The Orrery of the Wanderer. This is... The fourth chapter. The fourth chapter. This is the um, module. This is the campaign. Okay. Um, it presents a complete Acquisitions Incorporated adventure divided into six episodes. Um, I'm assuming each one is uh, like you level between them because you go levels one to six. Tells you essentially how to read it. Running an Acquisitions Incorporated campaign, um, including familiar faces, what's right and wrong, life goes on, let the franchise shine. So this looks like it's DM notes, essentially. Right. Um, there's a story overview. This adventure, I'm only going to read the first bit. This adventure touches on a number of classic tropes in its setup and execution. Artifact of incalculable power accidentally stumbled upon? Check. Evil faction with plans to end the world? Got it. But even against potentially world-shattering events and plots, an Acquisitions Incorporated campaign is always centered around humble characters making choices, including one unfortunate NPC whose choices have set the adventure in motion. And then it gets into the details a little bit uh, for about a page. And then episode one, right place, wrong heroes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, and this, honestly, this looks exactly like every other adventure module that I've seen. There's character art. There's a little bit of location art. There's breakdowns of, and this section is this, and this section is this. It looks like it's relatively um, sandbox for the first little bit. Sure. But pointed towards an area where you are... I guess underground. There's yeah, a lot like of we got racks. some maps here, yeah. and so and it goes, you know, section by section. Area one is this. Area two is this. Area three is that. Right. Um, area five is called death. <laughs> I like that. Um, and uh, it's, you know, this art is growing on me. This art stood out to me right away. This is kind of my. I love this style. Um, I'm not big on the high fantasy style realism art. I really like this cartoony. You're playing in like a whimsical world in a way, right? There's a lot of seriousness, but there's a lot of whimsy we had. This art fits what they're doing in the text as well. The two go hand in hand. But there's enough variety here in these in this exploration. You have a carrion crawler and a couple of uh, there's a giant constrictor snake, some dark mantles. Like there's a lot going on uh, for level one too, right? Yeah. Like, um, and then episode two is called Fun and Fandolin. Which means, I guess, that you can actually run this after you do the starter set, right? Sure. 
Um, if you want to keep the same kind of NPCs and theme and whatnot, you want to work out of that uh, that section of the world. It does have a section here called Plots of the Six. So you're going to run right mm -hmm. up against Rival. Perfect. Uh, oh my god, there's a lot of NPCs listed in here oh, as well. Good art for them. Yep, and they are given... I'm just going to look at one here. They're given an alignment, gender, race, and a NPC stat block, like knight right. or priest or sure. whatever, right? And then there's development, which essentially breaks down who they are and, and why they are the way that they are. So... That's really uh, nice to give that to you to really play off of. Yeah, there's locations in Fandolin. There's a lot of really interesting... I mean, you'll have to do quite a bit of reading. You'll have to read chapter by chapter sure. before you play it. But it's... I mean, like, all these a... modules require that as a DM. If you're not reading through the book cover to cover before you run it as a DM... I find you don't even need to go cover to cover. You need to do a good, solid, deep dive internet search to find out what happens late in the game. That helps And then too. always be a couple of chapters ahead of where your party Absolutely. is. Absolutely. But, I mean, they've got um, more maps for adventuring. Looks like you get to explore uh, Manor in this one. Um, and then you get into Episode 3, Darkness at the Lighthouse. Ooh. That sounds intriguing. Yeah, the Tortured Tortle Mutiny. I guess a Tortured Tortle is the name of a ship. And so we're getting... We're on the coast now. There's a little section back there about how to get there. Ooh. Ooh. I see ghosts. A gnome ghost by the look of it, I would guess. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of... Interesting ways of going about this. Um, to fight or not to fight is one section. The next section is called, okay, to fight. <laughs> so like uh, there is a, there's still some humor in here, but Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking at it, and this is not comedy. It's written. The style is written to be comedic. But the story itself is your standard adventure story with franchise intrigue in the middle of it. Which right? is good. I'm... I mean, I don't know how long you would get out of just a purely comedy, like comedy-driven campaign. Honestly, it people gets... have different senses of humor, sure. so like I'm, I'm all for this. Episode four is called Dran Enterprises. Um, it still looks like you are kind of in like a, a seaward town. Uh, ooh, there's a tavern, I guess, uh, which is called the Peg and Hook. So you're getting kind of the feel. And portals have opened. Ooh. Far Realm Horror. You have Cthuloid tentacles bursting through portals. Excellent. Well, I mean, the cover showed us a Mind Flare on the front, so it was only a matter of time. Yeah, there's a section in here called uh, Pirates vs. Zombies. Ooh. There, there are a number of different portals. Each one has a different challenge in it. One of them is like a river barge crossing, which, I mean, the map is just insane. That's like so cool. Hopping from ship to ship to play a game things. of Frogger. Yeah, kind of, right? Um, and then there's barge contents on board the Maverick. Um, they've got lizard... Oh, my God. That is a mind flayer with, with the a, tentacles. With, and a monocle. And a monocle. But the tentacles are twisted up like an old-timey mustache. Yes, they are. That is just phenomenal. And he's got a business card. Yeah. This is insane, and I love it. Episode 5 is hide-and-seek. There we go. There's some there's, of that classic yes, artwork. Yes, because that, that art actually kind of stands out as looking more traditional. There have been a couple of little there ones where they seem to be like action splashes as opposed to to NPC. The um, maps are really intricate. I really like the maps. Jesus, there's a wedding itinerary in this one. So you're... Oh, wow. Like, there's a lot going on here. And it looks like it's a dwarven wedding. Just from the fact that everything in here is dwarven. There are different events that are going on that ends up with, with gambling. You end up in a gambling den... Man, this is insane. There is a... There, Zombie? No, with, that is a lich. Oh, that is a lich. You're right. That is a lich. And she looks 
Just horrifying. Wonderful. Uh, episode six is showdown with the six. So there you oh, go. Perfect. You know who your enemies are. We we started that at the beginning. Remember there was what the six are up to. That's right. Yeah. So uh, what is that? Oh, that is a gibbering mouther. Oh, it is too. Yeah, but it's hanging from a chandelier. I absolutely love what this is doing. Confronting the keymaster, dimensional caverns. Well, that's got my Stage attention. three, feeling small. The characters and all their equipment are reduced in size by the magic of the test market. This version of the inn is in fact empty, but the objects in it continue to move as if manipulated by creatures. That's insane. And like in the good way. Yeah, this, this is, is good stuff. This is phenomenal. And then when it's all done, the orrery seems to be some sort of holy relic. The orrery of the wanderer, the final state of the orrery, Depends on what happened during the ritual, if a significant number of mishaps occurred while the characters and Splugoth fought for control of the components, the orrery might develop even more random properties or it might lose some of the more potent powers. It talks about the fate of the franchise, more downtime, and then what to do in the next campaign after this is done. Perfect. There's a lot of information in there for just adventuring. That's really cool. I wouldn't yeah. mind playing in that campaign. Honestly, it sounds like it's really well thought out. This is not just thrown together. It sounds like it's written by writers and yes. not not tabletop RPG writers. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is done for entertainment and, like, and the again, the art. I can't praise the art enough. So we're going to move into the appendixes. So Appendix A is Acquisition Incorporated. This section details some of the notable NPCs who will play a part in Acquisition Incorporated campaign. Oh, there's Jim Dark Magic. I can see there on the other is. page. Yep. Oh, now, they got stat blocks. They, they got stat blocks for all of these NPCs in this. Uh, so they've got a list of the important ones. So Omen Dran is the first one. He says, my duty first and foremost is to my shareholders, and I am the only shareholder. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it, it basically, to give you a breakdown, it's going to give you the NPC name, a quote from them, a little bit of background for them, and then a decent uh, stat block, yeah. like a fully fleshed out stat block. Here. With a with a bit of character art, too. With, and then a piece of character art. Jim Dark Magic, though, we talked about him a few times. This guy is wearing a purple cape, firing two wands that are firing like pink lasers and surrounded by doves. I don't even know what that's supposed to be. That's not even a magic missile. That's uh, No, it's not magic. I what, don't know what it is. What is he? What well, is let's this? look. For spells, he has Firebolt, Friends, Mage Hand, Minor Illusion, Prestation. It's not one of those. Oh, Jim's Magic Missile. Oh, yeah. So okay, we saw Jim's go. Magic yeah. Missile earlier. That's what that is. Okay. It looks more like a laser. But yeah, have a magical day is his quote. Sure. So again, descriptor, full stat block, character art. Oh, we're going to get this over and over again, right? Absolutely. Probably a good... Oh, we get the C-team, so from the previous... Oh, okay. So we get some other characters from there. And yeah, it's just... It keeps going. Oh, we get the B-team breakdown as well, so their other campaign. So we're going to see a lot of... If you do follow the podcast and show, you'll get a lot of the characters from that. Okay, cool. Um, as well as House Dran, which I've seen a number of times. That's... Yeah, they showed up a couple times as we were going through... Flipping through, but... So you got to break down the characters there. All right, and that brings us to the monsters. Now, there are not a whole lot of monsters in here, but there are some fun ones, including a Chaos Quadrupod, which is a cluster of four suckered tentacles with the pulsing mass of ethereal light as its central body. There's a Clockwork Dragon, the Deep Crow, which we've actually covered both the Deep Crow and the Ancient Deep Crow in a previous episode on monstrosities. There's a Keg Robot. Delightful. Splugoth the Returned, who uh, is a goblinoid. And then you have iconic NPC breakdowns of the kind of NPC you would find for each one of the different factions, including the Dran Enterprises, uh, Noble Knife, the Silver Sliver, and the Six. 
There are also iconic franchise features, including what an iconic cartographer is like, an iconic decisionist, documenter. So those are the ones that all, we got yeah, for the character options yep. that, for NPCs. Yeah, that, that's cool that they give us a little bit more to work with when we're building our NPCs. Absolutely. Flush so there's out. not a whole lot of monsters in here, but what they do bring to the table is fun. Yeah, some really cool ones. Uh, and then Appendix C takes us into vehicles. So we kind of covered the battle balloon. And we get some art for that finally, which looks way bigger than I expected it to. Well, it's like freaking Galleon. Yeah, it really is. And it, it's actually pretty dark art style. I like it. I dig it. Yeah. Um, we also get... and then Oh, and there's a stat block. Oh, there's a block. full stat block for it. Including different weapons that you can... A green land. flame arbalester is one of the uh, weapons. I love it. That's really Harpoon cool. Harpoon guns. Very cool. There's a mechanical beholder is another as a vehicle. So it looks like a beholder head, but big looks, red eye, lens eye. It and looks like it can only hold like four people. Yeah, four people it looks like, but it's got a seat. Uh, and then the stat block for that obviously as well, including eye ray tentacles, because of course, why wouldn't they be rays? That just makes sense. It even specifies that it is specifically propulsion. It has a magical propulsion unit. Of course. It's well, sure, by magic. sure, yeah. Absolutely. Right? I'm okay with that. That's cool. Yeah, works for me. And then we have the orrery and its components. And this breaks it down. Okay, I don't want this is spoiler territory, so we're gonna steer clear of a lot of this. This item is so powerful. It's supposed to be a world ender, I guess. They mentioned that kind of at the top, so yeah, it's a wondrous item artifact, requires attunement. It has random properties. Um, the sun, each of the six components that powers the orrery of the wanderer is a powerful magic relic in its own right. There's a chronolometer, the dimensional loop, the far gear, the rotor of return, the timepiece of travel, and the wheel of stars. I'm going to go out here on a, just on a limb yeah. and say six chapters, six levels. You're fighting the six. Mm -hmm. There are six pieces of this. It makes sense. I'm assuming that you are just hunting this down, essentially. It, but it gives you a breakdown of all the different things each one of these components can actually do, which is really neat. Very and cool. it's got some pretty powerful stuff. Like yeah. Ultra gravity and shit. So. And it looked like towards the end of the module there as we were discussing it, some of that can change as well depending on what impact you have on the campaign. So that's very cool. Yeah. And then the last section here for the final appendix is trinkets. So there's a massive list. It's a D100 table of different trinkets that you can basically pull out or have as a player. All right, here, roll it. I'm going to roll a D20. Go for it. Uh, 13. Number 13. A fine cane with a secret compartment. Okay, I'm going to roll 2d20. We're going to start at 40. So, I got a total of 36. Start at 40. What's 76? 76 is a postcard from Ravnica. Interesting. Alright, cool. So there's a... And it's just trinkets, hey? Tons of trinkets, a yeah. A left-handed gauntlet. Yeah, like none of these are anything special. A portable beehive. Which they have some art for here. Oh, that's neat. And they, an infinite inkwell. Yeah. Ice cube that never melts. Like all sorts, just cool stuff. Some of it seems mundane. Some of it seems magical, but none of it seems game breaking by mm -hmm. any means. Trinket is the right word for it. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a chapter in the player's handbook with the same thing, right? Trinkets that you can have as a player. Uh, so this uh, Trinkets. I'm not sure it's in the PHB. That one might be in the. Consider rolling on the acquisitions incorporated table instead of the table in chapter five of the player's handbook. To gain a unique trinket at character creation with a bit of acquisition incorporated flair. Well, shit, all right. So there you go. So this is just a substitute. If you want something that's a little more flavorful to the setting. And um, then at the back, we got an index, which is, as you said, lovely to have. It doesn't look like it is comprehensive that it hits every single thing in here. But if you were looking for one of the major nouns, whether it's an eldritch occultant or a major domo or one of the named NPCs, 
or um, a breakdown of uh, untrained hirelings or vehicles or Verdon. It's in here. So if it's a noun yeah, that's going to be that important to this book, it's, it's in the index. Perfect. So let's grab our dice. That's the whole book. Let's roll. That's a two. I got a 14. Go. There we go. Okay, fine. Balance is restored. Oh, yeah. Overall impressions. This book delivers on everything that it sets out to deliver. It is not a big, heavy, world-spanning campaign. It's not the end of the world. As far as I can tell, shit, it might be. It might be. Right. There's some, there's some like heavy, big powers that are in play by the end of that. But it feels street level. Mm-hmm. And it's got a lot of interesting mechanics and maps and backgrounds that I never would have thought of. Absolutely. Right. The rival intern. Yeah. You're just a spy. Like that's absolutely, but they're not calling it that they're, they're tweaking it. They've got it's, their own flavor. It's shown us a new way to look at the different classes and subclasses that existed at the time. I love this. I absolutely love what it brings to the table. It's not here to bring us a whole shit ton of new monsters. It's not a Volos. No. It's not here to bring us new subclasses. It's not Tasha's. No. Right? What it is, is a new way of looking at guilds and franchises and what to do in downtime as you're going through a basic level of uh, of adventure and I'll... I wouldn't say short, but a medium level campaign. Mm-hmm. My overall impressions of this are, for what it is, it's great. But one, my number one criticism of this is, who's going to buy it? Is this for DMs or for players? I mean, it's an adventure module at the end of the day. It's for DMs. But that said, as a player, especially if you know you're going to be playing in a campaign with where you're going to be running a guild and you really like if that's something you want as a player this is a book worth picking up to at least give you an idea of hey how can i run or how can i what what tips can what can i give to a dm to help them what's what's interesting to me is that this does not feel like a campaign module the way that rise of tiamat or sure. curse of strahd or anything else felt like this feels more like um the guild master's guide to ravnica and um eberron rising from the last war these campaign style books as opposed to um, the adventure module, because it does so much world building, it, really it gives did. you major NPCs, and it uh, it focuses on a handful of new spells, how to treat your character within this specific set of rules and ideals, sure. right? So, if I'm picking this up to play an adventure, yeah, it's gonna feel different, absolutely. And honestly. I feel like the first handful of chapters is for the players. Yes. And they should be going through that to build their franchise. Absolutely. But I really wish that the complications part, you know, it would say, mm. hey, you've got to do team building, but here are team building complications. Yeah. Put they it should together. have had it separated. Yeah. Right? One for the players, and then you flip to this chapter to find the DM's fuckery that happens afterwards, sure. right? Yeah, no, I'm really impressed. I mean, I've commented many times on the art style of this alone has really caught my eye. Honestly, it makes or breaks it for a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, And for me, it's a make. I understand that people wouldn't like it, but for me, this is right up my alley. Um, Honestly, this is... I'm really impressed by this book because I went into it expecting so little. Yes. Right? I came into it with a bar set low, and this... I felt that way about Ravnica as well. Mm, Yeah. But yeah, I just feel like this... Also, Theros for me as well was another one where I didn't have high expectations. Oh, see, Ravnica and Eberron had like boosted my expectations so high that Theros let uh, me down a bit. So. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, this book, there's just so much in it. Um, I don't know that I would ever necessarily play the module itself. 
I'm finding a party that really is into building their own part, own company. It's a really specific player set, I think. Um, so this definitely isn't going to be for everybody. But I think the people who do pick this book up and give it a look through are going to be pleasantly surprised and impressed. Okay, so let's uh, let's roll dice again. Let's give letter grades. Compared to the red, another nat twenty. You son of a bitch. I like this die. I'm taking it home, Dan. <laughs> um, so compared to the rest of the publications that are out there, sure. Compared to what you want out of a D and D session or a campaign or whatnot, sure. How do you rank this book? I think it's C plus, maybe a B. I mean, this isn't an A. This is not like a magical book that opens up a wide world, but it's competent in what it's set out to do. Um, I think it gives you a lot of new perspectives and really kind of opened my eyes to a different way of playing the game. So, sorry, C plus or B? You know, let's go with B because I actually really am impressed. I think there's enough in here to really make it worth. I think any DM who really wants to go deep and get some nitty gritty, this is a must must grab. Honestly, for me, this is this is an A for what it does. Sure. But it doesn't do what everybody wants, right? And Fair. so it's, like you say, it's so niche. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to give this a B-. minus. Mm-hmm. Like like I say, if you want to go down this route, if you're into building guilds and Ravnica gave you flavor but not how to build a corporation, if you want to run the business side of D&D, and some people like to do that. Yeah, sure. And if you want to dig into the... Um, the kind of the street level of adventure. Yep, you get that in here. Absolutely, as well. you do. Yeah, you're the guy pounding the pavement. You're not the guy running the organization. And but it's interesting because it gives you the tools to be able to become that guy. Sure. Later on, there's a lot of inspiration to be had here. This would, if I was iffy about a D and D Beyond bundle, mm-hmm. this would put it over to the yes box. Sure. If I was um, looking for a specific kind of attitude towards of cleric or there, there are tips right. in here you flip by it really quickly uh cleric that follows asmodeus in a business setting yeah they got tips for that shit in deals here. with the devil right? yeah that was... and and uh yeah it's yeah. a direct quote from it right yeah. um i don't know sweet fuck all about the acquisitions incorporated uh live play i don't know anything no, about um the penny arcade comic or any, what they're up to these days it's actually got me a little interested in checking out the let's play to be honest yeah i mean for what it does, this is not... You know what this isn't? This is not a marketing campaign for acquisitions. No, it is not. No. No, this is its own separate product. As opposed to Rick and Morty versus sure, Andy, yeah, was clearly a marketing scheme. Absolutely. Right? And debatably, however you feel about the magic settings, I'll fight you all day. Those were not marketing schemes that was expanding the brand. Absolutely. Um, but... This, to me, feels like a really good example of what third-party publications could be. Um, This is Wizards realizing that somebody has made something great, has made something really interesting, and realizing that it fills a hole that they themselves have not Yeah, you know what? And that's a good point. From Wizards of the Coast, this is a B-. If I caught this on DM's Guild, it'd be an A+. Absolutely, from DM's Guild it would be. So, final question. When should someone add this to their library? This is not one of your first pickups. This is probably for a DM who's been playing for a while, who's just looking for a way to really incorporate more guild activity into their campaign. Or, I mean, ultimately, if you've got a player base who actually does like Penny Arcade, I mean, you probably already got it at this point if you Penny Arcade got you into it. But. Penny Arcade still has three and a half million yeah, readers. It's right? no small feat. So, I mean, they're going to come into it. But as just a general D&D player, I think 
this is at some point a must get for every DM. I think that once you've once you've ticked off the A tier and sure. Okay, at this point in my DMing career, I've got all of the Xanathars sure. and Volos and Mordekinds. I've picked up the campaign settings. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here going, all right, which module do I pick up next for the mm -hmm. two or three plug and play pieces I'm gonna pull out of it? Right. Acquisitions Incorporated is more useful to me than Rise of Tiamat or Out of the Abyss oh, or Dragon Heist, right? This and this looks like it takes place in Phandalin. It looks like there's a little bit of Waterdeep influence because yep. we're talking about the Harpers in it. This is still very much the Forgotten Realms. Yes, it is. If you do not want to start with a starter set or the Essentials Kit or one of these like Dragon Heist level, you want to start yeah. somewhere else. This is a good alternative. The one to six adventure here is a fun way of kicking off maybe one of these later campaigns. Based on what we covered, it like it's a competent adventure with, I think I would argue probably a better story than Horror of the Some Dragon of Queen or yeah, yeah, Horror of the Dragon Queen was a mess. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of this. I recommend that if you are looking to expand your library, this is the last one of the DM tool sure. books that I would buy. Uh, before Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Yeah, I would throw it over. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm with you. Um, but it is... I mean, uh, it's not giving you a ton... Of, like, we talked about monsters and things like that. It's not a lot of that in there. So, yeah, I agree that it's not top of the list, but... But it it's definitely on the list. I Absolutely. Would, I would say that um, there are definitely books that are going to come out that I will buy after this one. Uh, anyway, I, I, do you have any final thoughts? No, I'm... Again, just pleasantly surprised by this one and i think i'd like to do a bit of a deeper dive into it i would absolutely want to be a player in this 100%. because i feel like it, uh, i would get about four months of weekly sessions mm -hmm. with an experienced group to be able to blitz through this and be like hey you remember that weird campaign that we did yeah it was a lot absolutely. of fun and you know what this is a breath of fresh air compared to the shit that's out there mm -hmm. anyway that's it for this episode on acquisitions incorporated you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also email us at info at or head over to www.itsamimic.com and support us by hitting that donate button or buying some fun merch. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. And make sure to check out more Legend Lore episodes as we cover new releases as they happen, as well as some of the previously published 5th edition books. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.